church log cabin, Baptist church down in Gloversville. It's about 150 miles from here. Real precious folks. And uh, we've been there before, and we're on our way to Maine and New Hampshire and stuff, so it's a perfect stop. And Friday afternoon, 4 o'clock, in a local lake, and there's a lot of them here. Um, he dove in to rescue his son that was going down, and he did. But then he went down and didn't come back up. Pray for that family you can uh, imagine. Pray for that church, because if the devil can stop it, it will. That's what he wants. He wants to stop local churches from lifting up the word of God and proclaiming the truth to a lost and dying world, from encouraging saints to live in such a way that there'll be a witness for the glory of Jesus Christ. And uh, how they come through this, how they handle this is going to, amen, if they stay with the Lord, and I'm confident that uh, many will. Uh, it'll, what a statement it'll be. When I call to cancel the campground uh, and just getting it under the wire there, and uh, the guy says, oh, this is a small community. I, I, I heard the ambulances. I heard the sirens. I know that name. I know, and he mentioned another member of that family. And there's an impact, buddy. I'm going to tell you what. Everybody in that county and the next county over there uh, is going to know all about this funeral. I know they're going to bring in somebody to preach the gospel. And that's something that you and I should be praying about. I don't know any details. And if I get them, I'll let you know during the course of this meeting. Take your Bible, go to Psalm 138. Psalm 138. This morning for this uh, lunch, this little lesson. And the Bible says this, in verse 1, I will praise thee with my whole heart. There's the key to it. Uh, we do uh, things half-hearted. A lot of people got so many irons in the fire, they're not tending any of them very well. And uh, a lot of people have a lot of different skills and uh, abilities. But this thing right here, when it comes to spiritual matters, we ought to give it our whole heart. And, uh, and uh, he's worthy of it. Amen. And uh, I will praise thee with my whole heart before the gods will I praise unto thee. This world's full of gods. Amen. Besides the God of this world who's uh, running this show down here, uh, there's people that aren't in church on Sunday morning because of the golf God or the fishing God or the motorcycle riding God or the four-wheeler God. You follow me? The baseball, football, you know what I'm saying? And he's way beyond all that. And those of you that made it here at uh, 9.30 this morning, I figure you got a glimpse of that. Verse 2. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. We're going to talk about his word this morning. We're going to thank God for the Bible. Amen. We're Bible people. Amen. I didn't get religion 31 and a half years ago. I, didn't, I don't have any now. I've been rubbing shoulders with folks like you for 30 years, and I still don't have any religion. But boy, I'll tell you what, I'm glad I have the Bible. Amen. Uh, that word Bible, that's a powerful word. It gets thrown around a lot. If you go to a, I hesitate to use the term, 
Christian bookstore. Amen. There's plenty of bookstores, but what's in them oftentimes doesn't resemble my Christianity, Bible Christianity. But you'll see that word, Bible, even preceded by the, by the words holy. You'll see it on the cover of, uh, of the NIVs and the ASVs and the, and the, and the New King James and the reverse. Revised Standard, and uh, uh, you would think by looking on from the outside that all those books were the same. They say exactly the same thing on the cover, but they're not even remotely the same. But just stamping that word on it, boy, that does, that's all it takes to fool a lot of people. That word is so powerful, we're talking about the word Bible, is so powerful in and of itself that it's used for non-spiritual applications. Just because of the authority that it uh, provokes in your mind. I'm sure in this neck of the woods, uh, many of you have heard of uh, something called the Shooter's Bible. How many of you ever heard of the Shooter's Bible? I had that, one of them, back way before I got saved and described the ammunition and weapons. And it was, it was saying to uh, the, 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 the hunting world predominantly that we are the authority on the issue of firearms and ammunition, so we're going to put Bible on our thing, amen? And I have no problem. That's not a misuse. That's not blasphemous. It just indicates that that word Bible is an authoritative word. There's a fisherman's Bible. I had to Google that, amen? I'm not a fisherman. Fish laugh when I cast. They, they look at my bait. It just doesn't work for me. There's a boating Bible. Amen. There's a boating Bible. There's even a golfer's Bible. Yeah, for they need a Bible. They need this Bible that they need. Amen. All right, not a golfer. So just for clarity this morning, as we talk this hour about the Bible, we're talking about the King James Bible. Not the new King James. We're talking about the, the authorized version of 1611. The inspired, inerrant word of God. Let me read something that was in the first King James Bible I ever got. After I got saved, I have no knowledge of what happened before. I mean, different things cross my life as a young man. But uh, this is in uh, Flyleaf of, uh, of the Bible that was given to me in jail. And it says, uh, <clears throat> this book reveals the mind of God, the state of man, the way of salvation, the doom of sinners, and the happiness of believers. Would you agree with that? Its doctrines are holy, its precepts are binding, its histories are true, its decisions are immutable. <laughs> Amen. Read it to be wise, believe it to be safe, practice it to be holy. It contains light to direct you, food to sustain you, and comfort to cheer you. Christ is its grand subject. Our good is its design, and the glory of God is its end. Here, too, is heaven opened and the gates of hell disclosed. It should fill the memory, rule the heart, and guide the feet. Read it slowly, frequently, prayerfully. It is a mine of wealth, a paradise of glory, and a river of pleasure. It is given you in life, will be opened at the judgment, and be remembered forever. It involves the highest responsibility will reward the greatest labor and condemn all who trifle with its sacred contents. 
owned it as riches, studied it as wisdom, trusted it as salvation, loved it as character, and obeyed it as power. All that said about one book. This book right here, this King James Bible. What a Bible. So, uh, I want to talk about that this hour. Like I said, let's pray. Father, thank you for grace. We remember the Adam Kosti family and the church there in Gloversville. Lord God, we uh, come to you humbly, uh, submitting the responsibility to attempt to minister to the precious folks here at Emmanuel this week. And the task is far too great for me. And, and Lord, God, I pray that you'd bear witness to your word as it's uh, taught, preached, sang about. Bless our attempt to congregate to bring honor and glory to Jesus Christ. Leave the cares of this life on the back burner for a few days. Thank you for grace. Thank you for these friends. And uh, pray and ask God, just be pleased with us. We're not begging you to meet with us. You're more interested in this than we are. But God, we just pray that our, our attitude toward this week, this hour, would be acceptable and pleasing to you. Give us something, Lord. Help us be more like you. Well, thank you for that. In Jesus Christ's name, amen and amen. Take your Bible. Go to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. We're talking about the Bible this morning. You know what that book is? That's our foundation. That's our foundation. It says in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 24, Therefore, in Jesus speaking, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken unto a man which built his house upon a rock, all right? Well, if you're going to build a house, I'm not a house builder or nothing like that, but I would think that that'd be the right foundation. I think that's a point Lord's trying to make. I travel around the country, and uh, you guys know that, and uh, boy, I tell you what we see. I don't know what our economic state is. You know, it depends who you ask. I know this. They're building a lot of houses still, and I mean, they're not building houses like the one I live in, 2,000 square foot brick Ranch, very nice four-bedroom home we raised our family in. Uh, you know, it's just now everything is 3,000, 4,000 square foot. I look at these big houses in these neighborhoods, and I'm thinking, I'm way too old to climb all them stairs, man. I'm going back for ground level to me. Amen. But, uh, but uh, what I see is I'll drive through these big old, drive by these big old subdivisions that they put up almost overnight around the cities, and, uh, and uh, the houses look almost identical i mean cookie cutter you know and uh and uh and you know what they all may look alike they all be might be made out of the same material but i'll tell you what what determines whether or not they'll stand the test of time is not uh, the roof not the it's the foundation and one end of a field may be rock and the other end be sand. And I'll tell you what, you could go in and build and everything looked great, looked the same, just like in the passage here. But the house that uh, Jesus is talking to compared to the one who uh, was built upon a rock was built upon sand. And when the winds came and the, and the rains came and the winds blew, and those are just facts of life, when they came, it fell. Because it had the wrong foundation. And... Uh, and uh, it even goes on and says, and great was the fall of it. You know, Christianity is made up of a lot of people that came to Jesus Christ as sinners, honest enough to admit they're sinners and believe in their heart. The Bible says that uh, Christ went 
to the cross to pay for their sin. And many people are in churches all over America this morning, thousands upon thousands, maybe millions, I don't know. And uh, a lot of them are just very nice people, and they're not heretics with horns concealed under their hairdos. Amen. They're well-meaning people, but if their foundation is not on the rock, when the storms, not if, but when the storms of life come, it remains to be seen. Some of you have been through some storms of life, and by the grace of God, we're still standing. Is it because of us? Is it because of any great character? We're just sinners saved by grace. But God has been so good to bring somebody in our life to reveal to us the importance of the foundation. And the foundation of Matthew 7 is indeed not a stretch. Whoever, let's read it again, whoever heareth these sayings of mine. Jesus Christ talking about his word. I like the Bible. I love the Bible. I'm thankful for the Bible. It is our final authority of all matters of faith and practice. Now, if that is not a Bible-believing slogan, I never heard one. That sounds cool, doesn't it? A final authority. I'll tell you something. Uh, this morning, that's more than just a Bible-believing slogan. Uh, it, it's the truth in this, in this way. It says in Psalm 119 and verse 89, forever... O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. That sounds pretty final to me. Forever. Amen. It, it indeed is the final authority. Amen. It's the authority now, and it's going to be in heaven with you if you're saved. And uh, I tell you the comfort that I get from that acknowledging what I just said is this. Now, I'm almost 70, and uh, I've been saved uh, over 31 years now. And uh, I've seen a lot of things change. Now, some of you older, some of you have been saved a lot longer. And, uh, boy, you've seen some stuff change, haven't you? You've seen change in Christianity. Amen. And this is just how it is. And I tell my wife this uh, sometimes. You know, if you live long enough, I never dreamed in a million years I'd be this old. But uh, uh, if you live long enough, change is part of it. And sometimes the things that you never thought would and the people you never thought would do. And it's just part of life. So even in your country, things change. That's just how it is. A little refresher course on American history would, would prove to you that these are not the craziest times we've ever been in. They seem like it when you're in the middle of them. But the American, American history, going back to the Revolution, the Civil War, things like that, it's always been tumultuous. I still let's say this. I am thankful that there is one thing that does not change. Besides Jesus Christ, who the Bible says is the same yesterday, today, and forever, I'm thankful that the Bible doesn't change. Now, the devil tried to change it, but he ain't changing mine. I ain't going to let him. This is a big deal. It's the final authority. My wife was dealing with a gal one time, and... Uh, She's been reading the Bible a while, quite a while. And, uh, and uh, so she is trying to help this lady. And, uh, and she, she's going to go to where? She's going to go to the Bible for help. Listen, everybody's got opinions. Everybody's got experience in some areas. Some of you may have expertise. But when it comes to anything remotely spiritual, it, what say at the scriptures is what we're concerned with. And uh, so this lady lays out, you know, uh, at least part of her little issues. And my wife says, well, and she turned to the Bible and says, well, the Bible says this. And then the woman says, who had, you know, 
claim to be a Bible believer, says, yeah, but. And then, of course, adds a few more details to tell my wife why that won't work. And she gives a few more details, and my wife says, well, the Bible says, and she goes somewhere. And that went on, she says, four hours. Personally, I cannot comprehend anybody dealing with that for four hours. But she's much more patient than I am, much nicer than I am. Amen. Amen. And so it should be so. But finally, she did come to the place where I would have come to in about ten minutes. <laughs> she closed the Bible. And she said, you know, I'd like to help, but I cannot. I have nothing. It seems that the Bible works for everybody except you. And that was the end of the conversation. Truth of the matter is, though, the Bible does work for everybody. But you got to let it. you got to let it. Amen. Listen, I'm glad that we're welcome to have our own thoughts and opinions on things. And we're not like those houses in those subdivisions. God never intended us to be identical cookie cutters. That's called a cult. But at the end of the day, you know, as different as we are in our differences of opinions and thinks and likes, and there's got to be a final authority. And, boy, you throw that thing out, and it's all back to, well, what does my pastor say? What does my guru say? What does the dean of my college? Man becomes, man establishes himself as the final authority. Let me tell you something, man. I was almost 38 when I got saved. I'd have, I've had, a, I'd had had enough of that. Amen. I know that I knew this before I ever got saved, that man at his best state was altogether vanity. I wouldn't have said it like that. But I tell you what, by the time I hit almost 38 years old, I was looking for something real. And man, I'll tell you what, this is the most fascinating thing I've ever seen. And for 31 years, I'm barely scratching the surface. Amen. We've got quite a book there. Somebody amen that or I'll start over. All right, the Bible is truth. Boy, we live in a day and age where you, people don't know what to believe. I had a guy come to me up, uh, well, it was in Rochester, matter of fact. There was a meeting several years ago. And, uh, and uh, he says, hey, Brother Bird, you heard about this? And, uh, and it was something kind of, you know, odd I hadn't heard of. And I went, no, no. And he went, well, blah, 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 blah. It didn't take long to realize he was, gonna, he was leading into some conspiracy type of thing. You know what I found out? That our churches have conspiracy kooks. You might be one. Yeah. Yeah. If you are, I asked one, I asked a church, I was in Missouri, and I said, we don't have any conspiracy kooks in here, do we? And some lady, boy, she raised her hand. She is proud of it. I, it kind of, I didn't know how to go on. I didn't expect that. So please don't raise your hand. But this guy, this guy's giving me something, and, uh, and uh, he can tell I'm not on board. You know, I'm not chiming in. Oh, yeah, I don't have, I'm just looking at him. And he said, he said this. Oh, no, brother, this person, I'm serious. It's documented. That's what he said. That's what they always say. If you're a conspiracy kook, that's what you say. It's documented. Just look on this website. Anyway, that went on for a couple minutes. And uh, so I said, all this, all your evidence comes off the Internet. Yes, Brother Burton, it's documented. It's true. I'm not making this up. And I said, so you, like, actually believe everything is on the Internet? <laughs> and I think he was starting to get the drift. Maybe somebody in there needs to get the drift. The only thing that was ever written that is 100% infallible is the King James Bible. 
Amen. I told him, if I knew my Bible as well as you know that stuff, I'd be a better Christ, better preacher. And I said, and if you knew your Bible as well as you know some of that stuff you keep surfing through, on the, you'd be a better Christian. Now, that was a nice way of saying, if that's you, that applies. Apply it. Let me tell you something. John 17, 17 says, Sanctify them through thy word. Thy word is truth. Now, I get it. A lot of things are interesting. That's fine. But, boy, don't come to me telling me it's 100% uh, 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 true unless you got it right out of that book. I'll amen myself. You guys know I will. I know it's been a while. Uh, the Bible says, uh, the, thy word is pure. The Bible's pure. As a matter of fact, Psalm 119 and verse 140, it says, thy word is very pure. Therefore, thy servant loveth it. Verse we're familiar with, Psalm 12, verse 6, says, the words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. That's a big deal to me that that's a pure book because... You know, who could even guesstimate how many books have ever been written? The Library of Congress has over 30 million books cataloged, including my book back on the table. Is this a good time for a commercial? No. 30 million just, and that's been written since they started the copyright laws. Let me tell you something. In all of human history, there's only one book that was ever 100% pure. And we got... The Library of Congress, if it doesn't have a copy of the King James Bible, and it may or may not, I don't know, but uh, if they do, it's the only pure book in the whole place, and we got 550 of them sitting here right now. I want something that's right, something to believe. That Bible says it's true. That Bible says it's pure. You ought to treasure it. Take your Bible, go to Job 23. Job 23 and uh, verse 12. And Job says this, Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. That is the definitive verse that Job was not an independent Baptist. Amen. You see what that says? I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. He had the right take on it. The word esteem means to honor. It means to respect. We're to esteem one another more than ourselves. Uh, that We go a long way in a local church. If we do it, it says in Philippians 2, we go a long way in a marriage if we would do that. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but, uh, but in loneliness, thank you, but in loneliness of mind, let each esteem other better than himself. Amen. All right, Christians were persecuted. I mean, we're so far from this. We think we're persecuted at the gas pump. You see that thing out there? I'm getting a dollar a mile on diesel fuel right now. And it's 550 miles to where I was two days ago to get here. And that's not persecution. I've been to England. I've been to Scotland and stood by the beheading stone in downtown Edinburgh where 18,000 Christians were beheaded and cast into a mass grave at Great Fires cemetery I mean people were burned at the stake and executed and sawn asunder just so you can have what you've got in your lap
right now. Now, people say, you guys make a big deal out of, the, out of the King James. You better believe it. It is a big deal. People died. It deserves to be esteemed. It deserves to be honored. Amen. It deserves to be treasured. It deserves to be passed down to our children. And our children deserve it, too. Because where do you think they're going to get it? Their phone app? Okay, don't get me going. <laughs> we'll sing a song this week at some point. Uh, I love the old Bible. And you know, I love the old Bible, the old King James Bible. Amen. I can tell you what, you do well to love the Bible. Amen. You've been doing yourself a favor. Uh, it says in Psalm 119 and 165, Great peace have they which love thy law. And nothing. That's interesting, isn't it? Us Bible believers are sometimes the most easily offended people I've ever met. I love the Bible. You said something about me. I'm going, what? Did you read it? Or you just, you know, got the bumper sticker. Amen. <laughs> but you do well to love it because great peace, those two words only show up side by side one time in your Bible, and it is in reference to God's word. Amen. I came out of a life of great strife. <laughs> great peace is a big deal to me. So in a world full of turmoil, and it is, and, and chaos, and it is, and apprehension, oh, I can't, I got to get the news or, or turn on the TV or, or, or click on whatever, you know, the news tomorrow to find out what to worry about. Does that even make sense? That's how people live their life. I'm okay with checking the weather, not that you're going to change it either. <laughs> Amen. But I'm glad that uh, how I feel about stuff isn't going to be determined by some commentator tomorrow. Because I got the Bible. You ought to respect it. Uh, Hebrews chapter 4. Go to Hebrews chapter 4. I'm a veteran, and, uh, and I respect the military, and I've got enough veteran friends, active-duty military friends, uh, from all the branches. I'm an infantryman from the Army, but I, I've, got, uh, I've got friends in the Air Force and friends in the Navy, and they'll talk about the weapons that we have and nuclear capabilities and all that stuff, and it just it amazes me. And uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a patriot. I mean, I love my country. You know, I know it's got a lot of problems, but I'm not ashamed to be an American and, at all. And, uh, and, uh, but Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 says, something, says this, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. I'm talking about the military, talking about weapons. It says the Bible is sharper than any two-edged sword. Then it says, Piercing even to, to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now, we got some stuff in our military arsenal that can definitely uh, divide asunder joints and marrow. That's for sure, boys. But there isn't one thing in our vast uh, arsenal that can divide asunder soul and spirit. And that book can. Now, if somebody handed me an automatic weapon uh, and said, this is loaded, and be careful, I'd be careful. I'd respect it. And boy, I'll tell you what, what you got in your hand is more powerful than anything man ever came up with. 
And I'm just saying, you ought to respect it. Bible said it's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And I can't, I'm not going to say it any better, and, and, and everybody's heard this perhaps, but when you're reading that Bible, it's reading you. Well, it starts out by saying it's quick. That book's alive. Amen. And when you're reading that thing, you say, well, I think I'll start a denomination where we can handle snakes. Uh, and it, you'll find it, buddy. It's in there. You open that Bible wanting to prove something you want to prove, you'll find it. That book's dangerous. Amen. went to church in West Virginia one time, and the kids were little, and they said, uh, Dad, they don't handle snakes here, do they? And I said, no, no. And we got in the church, and there's this strange-looking white box up by the pulpit. It was an old church. And that, you know, unlike, and so the kids are back there talking and getting their music together, and I kind of walk over there. And <laughs> if that thing would have started rattling, we're in the bus out of there. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Uh but you go to that book as a, as a almost 38-year-old guy with a history of criminal behavior and drugs and liquor, and you go to that thing with an honest heart and childlike faith, buddy, God will open that thing up to you. I get people say, well, I don't understand the Bible. Something. Man, I've been reading it 30 years, and there are things I don't understand. I read through that Bible now, and I'm going... Lord, you and me both know I don't know what that meant. Maybe that's for next time, and I'll keep going. That's what works. Because I know a lot more than I knew 10 years ago. And a lot more than I knew 20 years ago. And I expect to know a lot more in 10 if the Lord tarries than I do now. That's an amazing book. So it'll give you the truth if you want it, and uh, it'll give you heresy. Well, I just think, that's your problem, that you should get baptized. Well, somebody told you that. But I, but there's a verse. Yeah, there is. There's verses. I can I can see one. I think you can lose your salvation. How could a person get saved and come in and do some of these horrible things and still go to heaven? Uh, it won't be the picnic you think. I don't know. If the judgment seat of Christ I know gets talked about here. Amen. But uh, so if you want to go into that book with a preconceived notion, you can find probably backup for anything you want to believe or how, anything you are raised to believe. But again, I say it, it's a discerner of thoughts and the intents of the heart. You go into that thing with the right heart, and God will reveal himself to you. That blows me away. I don't know, maybe some of you are used to it. You've been doing this. Oh, not me, man. All right, so you ought to respect it. We're talking about the Bible this morning. Let's uh, look at uh, Romans 15. Romans 15. And it says this in verse 4. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, and that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. That, that Bible is our source of comfort. There's a family 150 miles east of here that does walk with the Lord and does have a relationship uh, with the Word of God. And boy, right now, that's what they're counting on. Paul said, wherefore, comfort one another with these words. I feel I feel for the people that uh, the tragedies like happen, like in part of life, that one, things you've been through, that's part of life. But boy, without the comfort of the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, people deal with it. 
well, in different ways, and none of them are good. And people go off the deep end with drugs and alcohol, and if the devil can get them to kill themselves, you know that's his goal. And Thank God, even with the rough times, thank God for our source of comfort. Amen. All right, let me read something to you here. Um, this is a little thing. is in a very, very old book. And someone describes packing his bag for a journey. Maybe he was an evangelist, because that's our life, journeying. Just before closing in, he observes a small corner not yet filled. He says, into this little corner, I put a guidebook, a lamp, a mirror, a microscope, a telescope, <laughs> several uh, well-written biographies, a package of old letters, some choice poems, a book of songs, a sharp sword, and a small library. <laughs> Yet, strange enough, all this did not occupy the space of more than three inches by two inches. And someone said, but how could you possibly do that? He said, well, uh, when I was packing my suitcase, I made sure to put my Bible in there. Boy, that's a book we got. Amen. I thank God for the word of God. Bible says this in Psalm 119, verse 11, Thy word have I hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. You know, I look at that thing, and it tells me that if you don't hide the word of God in your heart, you're going to sin against God. Amen. It's the antithesis. Uh, sometimes what the Bible doesn't say is just as true as what it does. Amen. The opposite. And uh, Richard Wormbrand, I read a devotional by him, and this guy was a pastor in Romania, and uh, he definitely thinks different and got a lot different background than we do coming out of orthodoxy and stuff like that. But that guy, that guy got locked up by the communists and put in solitary confinement for 14 years. He came out a stronger Christian than what he went in, and he didn't have a Bible, he didn't have a light, he didn't have a window, he didn't have nothing, but he had a relationship with Word of God that carried him through that long. Man, I know people that, that skip church three weeks in a row and don't maintain their relationship. I'd probably be one of them. I'd be afraid to think what would happen if I got out for a little while. Hey, people have made me mad. People have done things I didn't agree with. I'm glad I had enough of a foundation put in me as a young Christian to know that that way is the wrong way. And I've sat and gritted my teeth and prayed that the Spirit of God would, would hammer my heart till I went forward and got my spirit right with God. And, and that's been working for me for the whole time I've been saved. Anybody tried to tell me, oh, I just love Jesus and I've never been upset and I just walk with God, you're on medication. That isn't, that isn't real Christian life. But thank God we've got a Bible that will teach us how to get through the rough times. We need to hide it in our heart. We need to delight in it. It says this in Psalm 1, verse 2. Uh, I guess verse 1 it said, But uh, blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. And verse 2 says, But his delight, is in the light of the Lord, is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. You would delight in it if you read it every single day. Make a point to read it. 
Amen. My wife, uh, uh, we got John Niehaus down there in Cincinnati area. His church put out a Bible reading schedule in the form of a calendar. It's really, really good. And, uh, and, uh, and she got one, liked it, and then she got 30, and then she got 50. And now when that church orders them, when we get there every December, they give us, they give her a stack. And she puts them in envelopes and mails them out to ladies. Sorry, my wife only, only communicates with ladies. <laughs> and uh, and uh, been a real blessing to people. Amen. Some people are not very charactered or... Is that a word? Who knows? Uh, 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 consistent and get easily distracted. And sometimes a, a schedule like churches put out would be just the thing to keep you on track. I talked to a lady in New York City. She goes, you know, I never read the Bible through in a year until I got that schedule. And, and, and now I get up and I know what I need to do and I know right where I need to go. And it is amazing. And I've read my Bible through, but never in a 12-month period until she got that. So they do help. And, uh, you know, this proverb a day thing, you know, that doesn't substitute for studying to show yourself approved unto God. Amen. There needs to be more to your Bible life than a proverb a day. But at the same time, buddy, I'll tell you what, reading a proverb a day will give you practical, applicable wisdom to your life. And it's just not that hard, is it? I'm all for it. You need to delight in it. You need to meditate on it. And what does meditate mean? It means think about it. Think about Don't just check mark, check mark. No, think about what you're reading. There's a reason for everything that's in there. And like I say, sometimes that reason isn't apparent when you're reading it. Think about it. And when you do, you think about it. Huh, I think about it. I don't understand that. Why do I know that? Because I'm thinking about it. And a year later, two years later, three years later, it's like, wow, there's that. And then it, this is amazing, Bible. Amen. So, and, uh, you know, let me just say this. We're talking about the Bible. You do well to do what it says. Just do what it says. I mean, it's one thing to wave it, one thing to claim to believe it. I'm a King James Bible. You know, you got to, going back to Psalm 119, you got to, Get it out of your heart, out of your hand, and get it under your arm. Get it into your heart. It says in James chapter one and verse twenty-two: "Be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only." And we got people. I'm sad to say. I mean, it's because of our uh, history of religion in this country. I can say it again. There's umpteen thousands of people that are gonna decent, nice people that are going to come to church and they're going to have done their religious duty for the week. And, you know, maybe they're going to try not to do some bad things, but then they're going to come and do their duty again next Sunday. And, and we've been taught that's all there is. But that's not all there is. Bible uh, Salvation is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, right? Bible Christianity is a personal relationship with God's Bible. Amen. We got to do what it says. It's not how much Bible you read, it's how much Bible you heed. That's what Ian Paisley said one time. Amen. So it says there in uh, verse 23 of James 1, it says, For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. 
For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetting, forgetteth what manner man he was. That's a dangerous place to ever get to in your life. You forget what you were, you'll forget what Jesus Christ had to do to redeem you. You'll start taking credit. You'll start, well, clean up pretty nice compared to so-and-so. See, that's the problem, see. That compared to so-and-so, that doesn't work. Uh, you're going to get an account of yourself. All right? So, uh, let me see. I got a couple minutes. It says, uh, Psalm 16, and I know this is, you better go there, because this is such a pure coincidence. All right? Psalm 1611. It says this. Thou wilt show me the path of life. Uh, I got shown the path of life through the Bible. I don't know about you. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. We live in a pleasure-oriented world. You know, everybody wants their team to win, wants their Disney vacation, all that kind of thing. And the Bible says the key to pleasures is, is right there, is being in the presence, and the context would be the presence of Jesus Christ. But, but uh, the closest thing to his presence that we have down here is that right there. And you can truly be in his presence as often as you want to be. And it says in thy presence is fullness of joy. And maybe some, uh, maybe one of the reasons that some Christians, and I don't doubt they're saved, they even love the Lord, even say they believe the book, but they sure do lack joy. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is strength. They don't seem to really have, uh, they're pretty anemic in other words. They don't seem to have the strength to ever do anything for God. Don't have the victory that God uh, doesn't have any problem giving some people. Uh, the problem's not on his end. And maybe the problem is they're spending so little time in his presence. This is where you grow in the grace and knowledge of God. Uh, so this little kid's at home and he sees this big Bible, family Bible, somewhere up on the shelf. And, uh, and uh, he's seven, eight years old. He says, Mom, who, whose book is that? And because it's been up there all his life, you know. And his mother said, Why, Johnny, that's God's book. And Johnny says, uh, Don't you think we should give it back? Nobody around here is using it. <laughs> and that's the way it is. Listen, uh, I'll wrap this up real quick. It says there in, in Philippians 2 that the name of Jesus to every knee should bow of things in heaven and things of earth, and things in earth and things under the earth. That makes that one important name. But the verse we started with, it says, Thou hast magnified, thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. What's that say about the importance of the Bible? The Bible's pretty important. If you're saved in air, uh, uh, it's because uh, it isn't because you're a good person or because you go to church or you got baptized. It isn't because you never killed anyone. If you're saved near, it's because the Bible told you how to be. And if you're in here and you're not saved, you can be because the Bible says so. And uh, we can open the Bible and show you how to get your sins forgiven. God's way, no religion, no joining, nothing. Doesn't cost nothing. Just takes being honest. You say, well, that's just y'all's opinion. Uh, no, that is not my opinion. That is what the Bible says. 
Amen. So I'm glad to be saved this morning, are you? And I'm looking forward to a good week this week. And I just, you know, serve you notice that I'm going to be preaching on the King James Bible all week. And you should know that already because if I didn't, I wouldn't be here, would I? All right. Father, thank you for this hour and bless all that follows in this day and this week in Jesus' name. Amen.